Welcome to episode 32 of the Eupopolis podcast. I'm Kristen Ogler, child life specialist, host of the podcast, and Eupopolis's national program manager. Today, I have two of the child life specialists from the Eupopolis team with me, Melissa and Jordan. So I'm going to allow the two of them to introduce themselves, and then we're going to talk in detail about Eupopolis and the Grief Island, which we launched as a pandemic hit in March of 2020. And now we're just have been refocusing and figuring out how we can make sure that youth and families know that this exists and what it is and what it has to offer for youth. So I'm going to put the mic over to Jordan and Melissa and allow them to introduce themselves. Thanks, Krista. So my name is Jordan Lipton. And as Krista said, I'm a certified child life specialist. I've been certified for almost a year now, which is so exciting. I Love this role, and I'm so excited about Eupopolis and especially Grief Island because we get the chance to just have really meaningful conversations with youth that facilitate the process of just processing um, the tough stuff that they're going through. And it's such a privilege to be able to be a part of that. I'm Melissa, and I am also a certified child life specialist. When I think of the Grief Island, I am envisioning really a space where youth can come together, share experiences, and really just feel supported in an online environment where they can receive grief support from people who are knowledgeable about grief and grief work and supporting um, child development and all of the things. Awesome. Thanks, guys. So I just got to roll it back a little bit because I think it's important and interesting. And I worked in the field for quite a long time before I got interested in dabbling in and working with youth around grief, because sometimes working with teens, we can be uncertain or unsure. And you want to make sure you deliver content that meets them where they're at. And when you think about youth and technology, I think this is a perfect fit, being able to access grief support using technology, being able to access grief support wherever they live, because it is on the internet. So they just need a personal device and the internet to be able to access it. And thinking about programming that is really intentional in activities to help them process that related to grief. And several years back, almost a decade ago, actually, when I was delivering grief groups at a children's hospital for youth and was recognizing that so many youth were being excluded because they didn't live in the immediate area. And if they had had a parent die, It was really difficult for the other parent to get them to a group on a Wednesday night at five o'clock in the middle of the city. Mm -hmm. So that's when I had co-developed or co-founded a camp for youth to be able to come in the Maritimes and attend an actual grief camp where they would get access to grief support all week long. And the reason why I bring this up is I think that was super important because sometimes we really need to pivot and think about how people can attend and show up at things. So putting a grief group in place that was an intensive week thing to set them up and give them access that was easy. We saw numbers skyrocket and people who were able to attend versus people who could attend weekly. And that doesn't mean that people, um, if you are able to attend in person, that is phenomenal, but we just want to make it accessible for youth who can't. Our vision when we were dreaming up Eupopolis Island in the grief section of that was just that, looking at teens that don't live in areas that have a service available to them. And so giving them equal opportunity to all youth to be able to get grief support. So that leads me to ask you guys about 
who is this Eupopolis Grief Island intended for? What audience are you serving? We are serving all youth who are between the ages of 10 and 18 who have experienced the death of someone in their life. So that could be a parent, a grandparent, a sibling. It could be a friend or anyone really important um, or who who impacted a young person in a significant way. So it's really open um, to all youth. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing to to think about and consider too is that we're not really putting like a strict time frame on this. We know that griefs uh, and the journey of grief looks different for everybody. And that doesn't mean that you might be looking for support immediately after a death, perhaps a year after a death is when the process of grief really hits you and you feel like you need support at that time. So we're really welcoming to anyone that just wants to connect with other peers who are going through similar experiences or can just even just spend some, you know, we have evenings or opportunities to just connect with peers and just feel like youth and just be themselves for a little bit. Right. I think that's something really important to recognize is that when you think about teens, when you think about youth, what things are really important to them is one, this is a time in their life when they're getting independence. Mm -hmm. Um, So to be able to independently like access a grief group and kind of just do it on your own and maybe your social circle does you know, you can tell them about it when you're comfortable with it. That gives them some of that independence and control back and peers like peers are just so important to youth. And maybe they don't have peers that are going through something like this as well. So giving them a place where they can connect with other youth who have this experience can, you know, have those conversations with somebody who isn't necessarily experiencing grief the same way as them, but is similar. Um, And they, you know, maybe they have both they can find connections like they've both had the death of a parent or they both had a death that was um, due to suicide um, just or due to a chronic illness or critical illness. And they can make some of those connections. The other thing that I was thinking about is just showing up for youth in ways that they receive things. And I know with Eupopolis Island and the grief work, you kind of have three components. So if you guys wouldn't mind just sharing with our audience and listeners a little bit about, you know, how you have the grief groups, the Eupopolis platform, and then just the virtual meetup. So just as Krista mentioned, so we have our platform that youth can log on to, and this is a space where youth can connect with one another, sort of similar to other social media platforms where there is a wall of sorts where you can communicate with one another. And in this space, they also receive resources, posts from us as facilitators, as certified childhood specialists, we are putting together activities perhaps some days other days just sort of words of wisdom or support words of support Um, so that's one element is the platform itself Melissa and I have created a more focused grief group so every week Melissa and I also facilitate um, some grief programming so youth can log on to our video call platform um, where we will facilitate activities that are a little more directed at supporting um, the grief process in general. So this could look like coping activities and discussions around that. It could look like conversations about what grief means, um, just an opportunity to get together and do some more like therapeutic style activities, which has been really fun. Mel, why don't you share a little bit more about our games night? 
Perfect. So the other opportunity we have is our games night. And this is when youth can come together and they can have purely just a night of fun and they can be in a space with other youth who they connect with on the platform. And so in our games night, this really is just an opportunity to um, provide opportunities for normalcy and we understand that, you know, alongside feelings of sadness or anger, frustration, um, maybe some guilt, confusion, you know, feelings of happiness also exist in the grief process. And we want to recognize that um, happiness is okay to feel, it's important to feel, and that you can do that in our games night. And that's just a space where, um, really youth can just feel empowered to to be themselves and to be youth. You just had a really good point there, Melissa, when you were saying um, just a place to be happy. You know, you hear people say all the time, kids are so resilient or, you know, my kid is just off playing or my teen's just off listening to the music, hanging out with friends, doing teen things. Another minute, maybe they're more in their grief. It's okay for people to have a parking lot for their grief. And I think most experts would tell you that in that it's okay to recognize when you're feeling the big feelings, but being able to say, but right now I want to be in this and to be able to build rapport with the people who you're going to be talking about these big things with is huge. So offering them something like a game night is invaluable so that they, you know, build that confidence and comfort in connecting with those people that they're going to be talking about some of their biggest things with. I love that. I love all that. One of the things that I'm excited about, and I know we haven't been doing it on this platform yet, but we've been doing it on Eupopolis for children with critical and chronic illness is once they are, youth are involved and they're in this, you know, stressful life event or this big situation, and they're learning how to process and navigate all these feelings and stuff, you know, they gain all this experience and then they kind of become like experts in it. And I love when we can give youth the opportunity to flip um, and be the expert and share what they've learned. Can't wait till we have um, youth who feel confident and comfortable in doing that so that get them creating resources and empowering them and putting in them in leadership opportunities. So that's another thing for youth to think about when they're thinking about getting involved is that if that's something that really draws their interest, then that's something that would be available for them to explore. I was a parent and I was corresponding with you guys because I had a youth who I wanted more information on because I was thinking about enrolling them or getting them referred to Eupopolis Island. I wouldn't be a part of their sessions or their groups. So what might I expect for them to experience? When we plan groups and programs, Jordan and I, we definitely want to be purposeful and intentional with all the programming that we we provide to youth. And so a lot of that is exploring, you know, different themes around grief. And so, for example, we might look at what grief is and what it means to each individual youth so that the experience is personalized to them. We might look at how to cope with grief and the grief process. We might also look at, you know, and discuss and explore how we communicate um, and express feelings around grief, as well as honoring the person who died and remembering them. And if that is something that the youth wants to do, right? So honoring their choice as well. Um, but we definitely explore a variety of different themes 
And we value youth's perspectives and we want to take what they want to learn into consideration, what they want to talk about. And we want to be there to guide and support them through their grief journey and know that, you know, we can set them up with some of the skills and coping tools and resources to, to continue on their journey and know that it's not the end um, when they start with us or maybe when they finish with us, but it's, it's lifelong and we want to prepare them and set them up for, for success in that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a really good point because our groups aren't like coming to a counseling session. We're not, you know, we're not counselors counseling them. It's not like a one-on-one session, right? We are there as facilitators mm. to have some ideas and some themes to help them bring things forward and to talk about things and give them ways to develop coping skills and to process what they're going through. Yeah. And even identifying people in their own community, in their own life, who they can reach out to. Because sometimes I feel that really the barrier is just supporting youth and identifying those key stakeholders in their own life. And sometimes they need just someone to support them to identify those people. And once they know who they can turn to, you know, then the process looks a little bit different for them. So now if I'm a teen and I want to know more about Upopolis um, and the regular programming that's happening, let's start with that. The regular programming that's happening. So I know you guys do some weekly posts on the site. Kind of it does that cover? Oh, it covers so much. I, I think Melissa and I really enjoy creating that content because we really are trying to identify like what the needs of youth who are grieving would be. And that can be simply like some breathing strategies. Um, that can be like understanding, um, social situations and how to cope with just entering a new social circumstance after you've experienced a death and like what that looks like, what people, what you might say to someone, how to prepare yourself for, for new experiences or, um, new conversations after you've had a death. And sometimes it's just, again, like how we spoke about with our games nights, just encouraging youth to do something good for themselves that day, something fun, something playful, to bring about, bring about just like that moment of joy and happiness that you do need in that, that grief journey. Is there predictability in that? So do they know that on a certain day of the week, they're going to expect a certain theme, like, or have you guys explored that? I know just you publish, she does like self-care Sunday and we had tried that on the grief Island. And then I'm not sure if we pivoted and changed that, or we still kind of are flowing with that, or we're kind of reevaluating. I think we're in the process of reevaluating to meet the needs of the youth who are on our site. Um, But previously we did have some weekday wonders where youth could share wonders or worries or even wishes. And we, they could share those anonymously with um, the facilitator. So Jordan and myself, and then we could provide a response to all the youth um, so that youth can feel comfortable sharing questions, again, wonders, worries anonymously, but then having their their questions, wonders, worries answered in a group setting. Oftentimes what one youth is thinking about, sometimes another youth is thinking about something really similar. So we explore that through our weekday wonders. And then we also have our take care of you kind of series, which really is our self-care self-care series where, like Jordan mentioned, whether it's just 
that normalization. So encouraging youth to do self-care or just play, um, or maybe there are other ways um, to cope with grief. And so that's part of our take care of you. Good point. Like sometimes you need to like ebb and flow based on the audience or the people who are participating in a program, right? And we say that all the time in Eupopolis um, when we're creating content and we're creating things for like the Grief Island or for the main Eupopolis, we're thinking about what other ways people are consuming information because we know not everybody is going to be drawn to the platform, but maybe they're following us along with our social. And so by having um, Tia share some different things on social, maybe other people are consuming that that are going to bring it back to the teens or maybe the teens are seeing it there um, as well. And then it's letting them know that Eupopolis exists um, or that this type of activity or this resource or this information exists so that they can access it how they like to. So we're thinking about how we deliver things through blogs and this podcast and social media and on the Eupopolis platform and in the games nights. So you have to think about what, you know, who your audience is and then um, what what their needs are and how you can deliver it to them that way. So it's perfect to reevaluate it. Um, but I think it is important to let people know that some things are usually pretty intentional. I think you make a really good point too. I mean, in essence, it's like meeting these youth where they're at. And when you ask like, what can a youth expect? Um, as much as Melissa and I have some activities that we've planned out that we hope are beneficial and meaningful to the youth that join us. I, I do want to be clear in that it's not like a coming to class. It is definitely a shared experience for everyone. We are there to essentially like how Krista mentioned earlier, you know, we're offering this activity as a start to a conversation. Um, it's not intended to be this rigorous step-by-step um, activity. It's simply meant to get us all thinking and to start conversations. And we we are here to just continue guiding the conversation and letting it take us where it needs to go for whatever the youth are hoping for in that evening or whatever comes up. You can give them an example of like an activity and and I can, maybe each one of us will give an example um, just so they get an idea. Because I think that's it is sometimes if you think about the fact that you're going to be sitting and having your turn to talk on a screen might be super right. intimidating and not everybody processes or, or is comfortable with that. Um, but then also not everybody is comfortable with doing crafts, but there is mm-hmm. lots of different options for things that people can do. And one of my favorite things that I always offer youth is Sometimes when I'm picking the themes of running things or if I'm running a grief group, one of the themes I always like to talk about is support systems. And Melissa mentioned that already and thinking about like who your supports are and sometimes drawing circles to be like, who are your supports at school if you're having a sad moment or who are your supports in the bigger community versus your home. But then also sometimes we forget that or we don't take the time to let people know what we really appreciate or what we found really helpful. And people always want to know like how they can help you, especially when you're going through something like this. So taking the time to actually tell somebody what you found helpful that they did, or to thank them for being a support and being very specific about how they support you. And so one of the fun activities that I've done in the past is called 1990s texting, because We didn't text with cell phones back then. So we had to write paper notes and pass them in classes we passed in the hall. So I often will get youth to just jot out a little note or a little text um, and send it to somebody 
or send it to the other members of the group that they're in, but specifically talk, thinking about who is a big support person in your life and write them five little notes, thanking them for specific things that they've done for you or words that they've said that have been really helpful or actions. And then sharing those because sometimes it's, there's so much value in, you know, just saying thank you or letting people know that they're doing the right thing. That's helping the youth to recognize who their supports are, but also just um, reminding them of what they found helpful so that they also can let people know in the future when people ask how they can help what they've received well. Yeah, I love that. And then even sharing that with those really important or significant supports in their lives, like beyond just the one person, like maybe it's a teacher or maybe it's someone in the community, a coach. Yeah. So do either of you have an activity that's kind of your go-to or your favorite? Something that always comes to my mind are just like memory jars. And for me, memory jars are so personal to the individual who's creating it. And so in a group setting, you can, if you choose to, you can feel you know, if you want to share that with others, we definitely will, would welcome that. But also if you want to keep it to yourself and make it just a personal memory, then you can also keep it to yourself and it's something special to you. And so memory jars can be as big as finding, you know, things around your house or special memories that remind you of the person who died, but they can also be notes and memories that you just write down, you know, on a sheet of paper that you put in the jar and, you know, you can use that jar in so many different ways, you know, before you go to bed, if you're feeling anxious or worried, you can take a look at that and, and think of those special times together. Or if you want to, you know, talk about the person who died and share, you know, how special they were to you with other people, you know, you can use that jar as um, a conversation starter. And so I think it's very diverse, um, but also very personalized and meaningful to each individual. So I think that would be one of my go-tos. One that still sticks with me so much. I actually like explored it a little bit when Melissa and I were in school is just making a playlist. Like it's so simple, but music is such a strong connection point for relationships, but especially for teens and just brings you back to so many like sensory visceral experiences. And what I love is that a playlist can be so many different things. It can be a playlist of some like the, that reminds you of this particular person. It can be a playlist that you use when you are in a really big swell of emotions to just help you cope with that. It can be so adaptable and it's, sharing music with one another is such a special experience and it's a it's a story it's a way to tell stories so I think making playlists and then like I know album covers aren't really a thing anymore (laughs) in terms (laughs) of cds but like I mean records are like coming back in style and they have album covers or like spotify like like when I was first um doing this activity I made like a little spotify cover because that's where most people I guess make playlists now and so like making a visual representation and like using that like another artistic outlet to talk about that person or perhaps just your grief experience um just like hits all the nails on the head for expressing yourself and just telling your story which I love that's so great and I think something that all these activities have in common 
from what I've been kind of listening to is the sharing component. And what that reminds me of is that, you know, you're never alone in your grief experience and your grief process and journey that there's always people around you who will be there to support you. Even if it doesn't feel like it, there are people around you. And I think that's something that Jordan and I really want to come across on the grief Island and in all of our, you know, sessions that we do is that you're not alone. You have people around you who care for you and who want to support you. Death is this universal experience that we will all have at some point, but it feels so isolating, um, which is so counterintuitive. Um, so to be able to create a space where you can recognize, like Mel said, that you are not alone and connect yeah. on those pieces that are, I mean, we don't all grieve the same, but there are, there are lines for everyone. So to be able to, to highlight that and see that in your peers is so important. Just come join us. Yes, please. A good point. How do people get <laughs> referred? And we were just talking about this. So Jordan and Melissa are going to be offering drop-in sessions that will be advertised on our social channel and we'll share them with potential referrers as well. But if you're a parent or a youth, um, follow along Upopolis on either Instagram or Facebook or TikTok. We will be sharing about drop-in sessions where you can connect with them on a video call to learn more about Upopolis and to get an account set up so that you'll be able to access or to learn about upcoming grief group sessions that are going to be happening. And we have a wait list going on now for the fall. So hopefully we're going to have a set of groups starting the third around the third week of September that you could get in on and participate in. Just be sure to reach out to support at upopolis.com or follow along on our social media so that you can know when those things are coming up. The other thing is if you are someone who works with youth who are grieving and you want to get them involved in an extra program to give them another layer of support, you can make a referral by going to upopolis.com in the professionals tab. You'll see a referral form where you can get set up to be approved to make a referral to Upopolis. Anything you guys want to add before we go? I don't think so. I think we covered a lot and I think there's room to continue exploring, but you'll have to come to our grief island to do that. So thanks, Krista, for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's just the beginning and we want to we want to have you because we want to share this experience with you, but we also want to make this island yours. So please join us so that we can grow this space in a way that fits your needs. We're excited to meet you all. All right. Thanks guys for joining us. And thanks for listening along today. I just want to remind you that we have done a couple of podcasts that you might find helpful if you're listening to this episode. Our most recent one, episode 31, talks about parental coping, some self-care for parents, and it's probably built around working with parents in hospital, but can be very applicable to to a parent who's helping a youth navigate grief because how you're coping um, very much impacts your child. Episode 25, we talked about grief support then. And if you scroll way back, if you go to the Upopolis podcast, we scroll back um, in the library, wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it be Apple or Google or Spotify or our website, you can scroll back in the early days of the podcast around episodes five 
through eight, maybe we got the, we have the you got this challenge where we have an episode that's around feelings and another episode that is around coping. So those are definitely uh, resources that could be available for you before you dive into the Upopolis platform, or if you just want to know a little bit more about our work. So thanks for listening, and we will be creating more content to deliver episode 33 in another two weeks. So take care, guys, and we hope you enjoyed. Oh,